The following audio is from Solid Rock Community Church. More information about Solid Rock Community Church is available at www.solidrockcommunitychurch.com. All right, that's so much better. Hey, I I just want to um, say thank you uh, to everyone that has been praying for me. Uh, as many of you know, um, this past week was a little uh, challenging for me. I ended up in the hospital and... Um, they, were, they did have some concerns that uh, potentially because there were some symptoms regarding my heart, um, and, but turned out that it was nothing to do with my heart. As far as we know, thank God. Yeah, thank the Lord for that. But I just want to say thank you uh, for your prayers, and uh, I'm almost 100% and uh, on my way back. So thank you to, to my church family. Thank you so much. Appreciate that a lot, and I uh, also want to say thank you to Dale. I, I know he's not here today, but thank you for Dale for stepping in last week, and I heard he just did a phenomenal job. Yeah, so thank you to Dale. Um, also, um, wanted to let you know that our annual business meeting is March 31st, uh, 2 o'clock at the church office, and so it's our annual meeting uh, that we have, obviously, every year, but I uh, wanted to let you know about that. And then... I wanted to give everyone just a, a quick update uh, where we are in the process uh, regarding the future leadership and the direction of our church and where we're headed. And just, I just want to let you know this. Uh, it's, it's only been four weeks uh, since I announced to, to the church that I would be stepping down and retiring. And so we're really, really early in the process, okay? So uh, just keep that in mind. But some things that you need to know. Number one, you need to know that God is bringing everything together. He really is. He's working behind the scenes. He's orchestrating. He's pulling uh, the right people together. And, you know, we've met with our eldership. We've been fasting. We've been praying. On several occasions, we've gotten together and we've discussed and talked about the future and where we feel like God, uh, you know, what, what God is doing as the Lord is speaking to us. And I can just tell you that I just believe the future is going to be amazing. So thank God for that. So I want to encourage you with that and just let, to let you know that we, we do have a plan. We're working that plan. And again, we're early in the process, but we're firming up uh, some key elements of that plan. Uh, and, and as soon as that all comes together, and we believe it's going to come together fairly quickly in the next few weeks. And once that happens, we'll share with everybody, uh, you know, where, where the future, where we're going and where we're headed. Bottom line is we have a plan. We're moving forward, and as Dale said last week, uh, we need to put our shields together, come together as a unified body, and move forward to whatever it is that God has for us in the future. Okay? So that's, that's the bottom line. So keep praying. Uh, God is up to something big. We know that. God is, again, uh, <laughs> we just see God's hand. As we've been fasting and praying, we see God's hand in everything that's happening and coming together. And so the... We'll give you more information as, as it becomes, as it becomes uh, more solidified, if I could use that term. Okay? Sound good? Okay. All right. So, one of the things that amazes me is, uh, and it's kind of simple, really, is that there are people uh, who can uh, find their way to just about anywhere and then find their way back again. I mean, they can look at a map 
or they can look at directions, and, and, and it just seems like they got it, and they can get there and get back. And for me, I'm like, whatever the opposite of that is, that's me. Okay, I'm like totally the opposite of that. Kathy, on the other hand, is like, she's like Waze and Google in one. She, I mean, she's amazing when it comes to directions. I mean, she's so smart, so brilliant, and she can figure things out just like that. And again, me, I'm like the totally opposite of, of what that is. So, uh, as we get started today, I just want to talk to you just real briefly, just sh share with you four things regarding uh, what I call the art of losses. So this is something where I've gained a little bit of experience in, okay? So the first thing is you need to know is that people like me, we don't get lost on purpose. And I know some of you are all real worried about, hey, we haven't taken the offering yet. We're going to do that at the end of the service, okay? So all the ushers hold steady, okay? Good? We're good? So all the ushers are coming back to sit down. We're good? Okay, we're good. So we're going to take the offering at the end, and Alex, don't let me forget to do that, okay? All right, good. So I want to just, so I'll give Alex, give you a chance to put the, 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 the uh, PowerPoints up there. Remember we started this series, Play the Movie, and sort of the catastrophe of that was a book that I read uh, by Dr. Henry Cloud, one of my favorite authors. He talked about nine principles that really he felt like everybody who was successful in life had all nine of these principles uh, that they had that were a part of their life. It didn't matter where you came from, what your background was, your experience, how much money you had or didn't have. These, these people seem to have these nine things, and one of the nine was play the movie. And so just this quick little mini-series that we're doing on this, we'll wrap it up next week, just talking about play the movie because your future depends on it. So that was sort of the, the catalyst on this. But I want to talk to you just, just briefly uh, about the art of lostness. And, and so the first thing was is that you need to know that people like me, we don't get lost on purpose. I know some of you probably think we do, but we really don't. Uh, in fact, it's really difficult to, to get lost on purpose. Number two, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. We're actually lost before we know we're lost. Right? I mean, we don't know exactly uh, when it happened. I mean, if you knew exactly when it, would ha it happened, then you could just sort of back up and be unlost. But I think we're lost a long time before it, you know, kind of dawns on us. Uh, I think I'm lost. Right? Right? And then number three, and this won't come as a shock, but I need to say it. Men go faster when we're lost. We just do. And there's no explanation for it. There's no rhyme or reason behind it. It's just, it just is. And then number four, and this is true for all of us, and this is what I want you to really think about this morning. We wind up where the road we're on ends up. We wind up where the road we're on ends up. And again, this is regardless of creed, color, gender, IQ, net worth, you know, whatever. This is just true for everybody. And as we begin talking about this a couple weeks ago, we said that what's obvious when it comes to driving is not always obvious when it comes to actually living life. That what's obvious when it comes to driving is not always obvious when it comes to living. But just like, you know, physical paths and just like uh, just like physical roads and physical highways have predictable outcomes, there are also some predictable outcomes in just about every single arena and area of life, which, which again is why we, we're 
talking about play the movie because your future, my future, depends on it. Now, today, thanks to technology and Waze and Google and all that stuff, it's virtually uh, impossible to get lost. And if you were here a couple of weeks ago, then you know that I made this statement. I said that direction determines destination. And this is true not just geographically. This is true in all of the elites of life, right? I mean, this is true financially. This is true professionally. Uh, this is true relationally, morally, uh, spiritually. Uh, this one's kind of made up. Marriage elite could have added in there parenting Ali. Uh, I mean, this, this principle just holds true that the direction you're moving in, this is important, the direction you're moving in in your relationship, the direction that you're moving in financially or as a parent, uh, the direction you're moving in in your marriage, academically, you know, whatever it might be, in, in every area of life, the direction you're moving in ultimately determines your destination. So let me just take this a little bit further. As you kind of look at that list there on the screen, and I'll just kind of pick one of these and we'll just maybe talk about a, a couple of these for just a minute. If, if, if I were to ask you, if I were to sit down with you over at Starbucks and you and I just have you and I just having a conversation, and I were to ask you the question, um, you know, what do you hope your financial world looks like uh, in, say, you know, two years from now? What do you hope your financial world looks like, you know, five years from now? You would probably have an answer. You, you would probably say to me, well, you know, I intend to make this much money, or I intend to save this much money, or I intend, you know, you know we're going to be out of debt uh, in two to five years. If I were to say to you, okay, well, what about professionally? How do, you, how do you wish things will be, or how do you think things will be, or how do you hope things will be professionally two years from now? Or five years from now. And you'd say, well, you know, by this time next year or maybe five years from now or maybe ten years down the road, I hope to own my own business. I hope to be running my own company. And that, that's what I hope. You know, whatever it may be. Relationally. You know, you've been dating this, this person, this girl for a while. You've been dating this guy for a while. Well, two years from now, what, what do you see? I mean, what's in your future? You say, well, you know, I, I kind of see marriage in the mix. Or you might say, well, I'm not really sure. So again, if I were to ask you in any of these areas that you see there on your screen, what you intend or how uh, you intend for life to go in any of these areas, you would have an answer, right? I mean, all of us have answers because to some extent, you know, we're, we're planners, even if it's not really a plan, even if it's just, you know, a, a dream, you have some idea where you intend to end up or where you tend to go in every important arena of life. And the reason that is is because that's how God has wired us. That's how God has created us. But the challenge is, and here's what I want to zero in on this morning, so what I want to talk about. The challenge is oftentimes there's a disconnect, and this is why playing the movie is so important in your life and in my life, because our future, to a very, very great extent, depends on our willingness to play the movie. But there's often a disconnect between what we intend, here's my intention, and the direction we choose. There's often a disconnect between our intention. Yeah, you know what? I really do want to get out of debt. 
you know what, by this time next year, by five years from now, you know, I hope, or maybe by the time the kids are, there's often a disconnect between our intention and our direction. And here, here's the thing. I don't want, and I know you don't want, and most importantly, our Heavenly Father doesn't want you to be a victim of this disconnect. Because at the end of the day, and we all know this, we just need someone to remind us every once in a while, at the end of the day, Direction trumps intention every single time. Direction always wins. Direction always wins. You know, so a young lady says, you know, well, my hope is that, you know, one day, you know, I, I meet a great guy, I meet a mature guy, hope we have some, you know, things in common, you know, I, you know, I hope, you know, that he's a, you know, a mature, strong Christian, because, you know, my dad was a, a strong Christian, I'd like to marry a Christian guy, but in the meantime, I'm just going to basically, you know, go out with anybody that asks me, you know, as long as he's cute, right? I mean, you know, just, just want to make, make, make sure that happens, right? Or dad says, you know what, I want our family to be a unit. I want our family to be, a, you know, a family-centric. I want the kids to want to be together even when they don't want to be together. I want us all to want to be together, even when they're older, even when we don't have to be together. I just want them to want that. Even when our kids are older, I want us to be a family unit. So in the meantime, though, I'm going to work all the time, and I'm going to take all these extra trips, and I'm going to, you know, work all the overtime I can. You know, I'll just sign up for all of that. Or maybe you're a grandparent, like me. Maybe you're a grandparent, and you're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I want to live a long, long time because I want to have a relationship with my grandchildren. You know, I want to be able to enjoy my grandkids. But in the meantime, I'm going to eat too much, and I'm going to drink too much, and, oh, exercise, oh, my gosh. Well, you know, that, that's just for other people. One day, one day, one day, one day, we're going to be out of debt. But in the meantime, in the meantime, debt, well, that's just a way of life. Oh, of course, Dave, when I'm married, of course I'm going to honor my wife. But all these other women that I'm dating, oh, my gosh, they're not my wife. So, you know, it, it's different, Right? Or, you know, I, I want my kids to be raised in church. I mean, you know, I was raised in church. My husband, my wife, she was raised in church. And, oh, my gosh, we want our children raised in church. We want our children to have a Christian foundation. And when things settle down, when things aren't quite as busy, we'll get them in church. Of course I want to have a great relationship with my husband. I mean, of course I do. And once our children are grown and out of the house, I'll make him a priority. Once I meet the right person, I'll change. Once I make more money, I'll become more generous. And yes, I want to know that God is with me. I want to know that he's there during the tough times. I want to have that kind of certainty because I've watched people go through some incredibly, really rough, tough times, and their faith is so big. They're, I mean, their faith is like rock solid. I mean, I've seen people face incredible, incredible things in their life, and oh my gosh, they've done it with extraordinary faith. I want that kind of faith. So I'll tell you what, when the bottom drops out of my life, then I'll get serious about my faith. And it always gets really quiet about this time in the message. It's like, 
ah, hear a pin drop. Because somebody's thinking, hmm, wow, how do you know? Well, two things. First of all, somebody always knows. In fact, somebody's tried already to warn you. And the other thing is this. You are unique. You are unique. I give you that. But your story is not. And your path isn't either. And neither is your destination. Now think about this. About 900 B.C., if you can kind of get your arms around that. 900 B.C., a king named Solomon that all of us have probably heard of. He was the third king of Israel. First king of Israel was Saul. And then David was the second king of Israel. And then Solomon was the third king of Israel. Solomon was David's son. And so as the third king of Israel, Saul, David, and, Saul, David and Solomon, as the third king of Israel, as it turns out, it's interesting, Solomon, and I shared this with our small group the other night, said Solomon was very wise on paper. He was very textbook wise. He just wasn't very livid out wise. In fact, at the end of his life, he ignored all of his advice, and his story didn't turn out very well. But when he was writing, when he was thinking, he was very, very, very wise, and he left the world with this incredible uh, wisdom literature that's just absolutely uh, extraordinary. And in the document that we call Proverbs, that was a part of the Jewish scripture that became a part of our English Bibles, that was eventually um, added to our New Testament documents, in, in the book of Proverbs, he tells a parable. I think it's a parable. It could be a true story. I think it's a parable because it's told like a parable. But, but anyway, uh, he writes a parable to illustrate basically this, this principle to a group of young men. So I want to set this up for you. Solomon is teaching a group of young men. Uh, he wants them to, you know, learn a lesson that he's about to talk to them about. It involves a young man. So this young man is actually a part of the parable. Uh, but then it also involves another character. So there's two characters in the, in the parable. There's a naive young man, and, uh, and then there's a, a seductive married woman in this story. Now, I want to say something to all of the ladies that are here this morning. I just want you to understand that the point of, of, of this is not to say that all women are seducers. That's not the point. And his point is not to say that all men are naive. But they might be. I'll just let that sink in for just a little bit. All the men are like, eh. Okay, but that's not his point. His point is this. Here, here's Solomon's point. Solomon reminds us, and this is a huge deal. This is a big deal. Solomon reminds us that, that oftentimes, you know, what oftentimes is intended by us to simply be a diversion is actually a direction with an unintended destination in mind. This is why, this is why it's not enough to have good intentions. Lots of people have good intentions. Lots of people have good intentions. It's not enough to have good intentions. That counts for nothing. It counts for nothing. Your direction determines your destination every single time in every single arena of life. 
And so here's how Solomon starts this out. Here's what he says. He says, at the window. And again, he's talking to, to some young men, a bunch of young men sitting around. He's trying to teach them this lesson. And here's what he says. At the window of my house. So he's got perspective. He's up high. He's looking down through a lattice. I don't know. Maybe he's spying on this kid. I don't know. I looked down through the lattice and I saw among the simple or the naive, I noticed among the young men a youth who lacked judgment. Now, there's only two ways that you get judgment. You get judgment through time and you get judgment through experience. And so here's this young, uh, this young man who's, who hasn't had a lot of time, hasn't had a lot of experience, and so therefore he's very naive, okay? In other words, this explains why our parents, um, you know, got so much smarter as we got so much older. Right? Right? Because as we grow and have more experience, we have better judgment. We go, oh, that's why my mom said that. That's why my dad said that. Oh, got it. He continues. He, talking about this young man, he was going down the street near her corner, so everybody knows where she lives. Walking along in the direction of her house, it's a matter of direction, walking along in the direction of her house at twilight, so he, he, he knew what was going on, as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. So now we have two different perspectives. We have the perspective of the narrator, and we have the perspective of the young man. And if there was music playing in the background, there would be two different sets of soundtracks that were playing because what this kid is hearing playing in the background of his mind is different than the Jaws music playing in the background in the mind of the narrator. Dun, dun, dun. Buddy, you are in trouble, okay? Two different soundtracks are playing, okay? Text continues. Then out came a woman to meet him Dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent, she's unruly. So he sort of blows this thing up. There's a lot of her hyperbole in, in what he's saying to make his point. She's unruly and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks and she takes hold of him. And as she kissed him and with a brazen face, she said, and this is a little bit R-rated, Okay, so all of our kids are all in the, in the back there. With a brazen face, she said, today, today, I have fulfilled my vows, and I have food from my fellowship offerings at home. Whoo, wow, you have food offerings? I mean, what does that even mean, right? I mean, what in the world are they talking about? Fellowship offerings, whoo, I can't resist. You know, it's like, okay, what does that mean? So basically, she's referring to uh, a, um, a religious ceremony. That's what she's referring to. And we don't know if it's Jewish. We don't know if it's Canaanite. We're not really sure. They don't, don't really clarify that. But her point is this. I'm not a bad person. I've been to the temple. I've been through the routine. You know, I, 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 you know, I did the sacrifice thing. I emptied out my bucket. Let's fill it up again. So now, check this out, and then she gets really personal. So, I came out to meet you, not just anybody. No, 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 no. I came out, I looked for you and have found you. And he's thinking like, man, I am so special. 
And the narrator's thinking, no, you're an idiot. <laughs> That's what you are. The kid's thinking, man, I'm like one in a million. And he's going, no, 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 no. You're like one of a million. Right? So she continues. I've covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I've perfumed my bed with myrrhs and alloys and cinnamon. Let me just pause there because this is really a big deal. And this culture really doesn't mean anything to us. We read that and we just go right on. So I want to try to put this in just a little bit of context for us. In ancient times, in ancient times, everything and everybody just stunk. I mean, they just smelled horrible. In, in ancient times, everything smelled horrible. I mean, it smelled like body fluids. It smelled like manure. Um, it was just horrible. Some of you have been to different parts of the, of the world. I have where, you know, you can smell where you're going before you even get there. It's like, oh, yeah. I mean, that's just the way it was in the ancient world. I mean, they didn't brush their teeth. There was nothing like uh, a mouthwash. There wasn't soap. I mean, that, those kinds of things were pretty much uh, only the very wealthy uh, would have any things that maybe would fall into those particular categories. So everything smelled horrible. And so what she's saying to, to this young man is, I'm going to rescue you from this horrible, polluted world that you live in. I'm going to rescue you, and I'm going to bring you in to an environment, because, because apparently she's wealthy, as we're going to see in just a minute. And not only is it going to feel good, it's going to smell good. It's going to be perfect. And so she says, come on. Let's drink deeply of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. And then she reads his mind, which is really, really isn't all that hard to do. But don't worry, my husband's not at home. He's gone on a long journey, and he's taken his purse. Now, that kind of confused me a little bit. That, you know, that part right there. So, I don't like that word purse. So, we'll, we'll switch from the NIV to the NASV version, okay? Get a little clarity here, lest you think that's why she's... Uh, anyway, so... So my husband is not at home, but he has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him. Oh, so that's what we're talking about. He's got a bag of money with him. In other words, he's going to be gone a long time. He's taken a bag of money with him, and he's not going to be home until the, the full moon. In other words, we got time. So here's the message. Here's the message. There's no consequence if we don't get caught. There's no consequence if nobody knows. You can do wrong things, and things will turn out right. You can do wrong things, and things will turn out right. I can actually make a wrong turn and not end up where the path is leading. Isn't that correct? I can take a wrong turn without actually going the wrong way. Solomon says, with persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her small, her, her smooth talk. And then all at once, all at once, he followed her. And he's thinking, you bet, I followed her. I'm like a rock star. I'm like a celebrity. I mean, oh my goodness, I passed, 
you know, all the lines outside the club. You know, I passed the bouncer. You know, I got the best seat in the house. I mean, oh, my gosh. I, I'm just, I, he followed her. I'm like a rock star. And the narrator's like, no, you're like an ox going to the slaughter. <laughs> oh, what do you mean, Solomon? You're just, oh, are you kidding me? What do you mean, slaughter? This is like the greatest moment ever. Are you kidding me? Solomon, you're just so old-fashioned. You're still preaching that? You're so old-fashioned. You're so old-school. You're so old in the past. Slaughter? What are you talking about? You just don't get it, Solomon. Solomon's like, oh, I'm not done yet. Like a deer stepping into a noose. Till an arrow pierces his liver. Oh, Solomon, you're such a drama queen. Seriously? Just relax. It's just one night. It's just a diversion. Why are you making such a big deal out of this? And Solomon's like, well, I'm still not done. Like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. Oh, come on, Solomon. Good grace. It's not going to cost me anything, Solomon. I mean, maybe it might cost me a little money. might cost me a little time. But nobody's going to know. Nobody's really going to know. And then the narrator, narrator Solomon, he steps out of the parable that he's teaching these young men. He steps out of the parable, and he turns, and if they're, if they're sitting around him, he addresses the young men who are in his presence. He steps out of the parable, and he begins to speak directly to these men, these young men, and he says, Now then, my sons, and again, he's out of the parable. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways and stray into her paths. And it's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, Solomon. Whoa, 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 whoa. Ways, paths, whoa, 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 wait a minute. This, this wasn't about a way. This wasn't about a path. This was just like a diversion. I mean, now is now, later is later, present is the present, and, you know, the future is the future. What, 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 what do you mean, paths and ways? What are you, what are you talking about? He goes on, many Many, many, many are the victims that she has brought down. You're not one in a million. You're one of a million. Brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. And I'll come back to that in a second. Do you know why counselors, why counselors are so smart? And, and, and yeah, they're educated and certainly they, they know their craft and all of that. But, but do you know why they appear <laughs> so smart? You want to know why? You know, you walk in to see a counselor, and you, you start telling your story, and they're listening, and they, they start writing down, you know, all these notes. You know what they're writing? They're writing their grocery list. It's like, okay, don't forget to, you know, don't forget to pick up, because you're telling your story, and you're, I'm just kidding. That's not really, I don't know what they write, okay? So just, just I'm all for counseling, okay? So if you're, you know, if you're, doing counseling that's good just wanted to clarify that but getting back to my point you want to know why they're so smart why counselors appear so smart it's because we're so predictable that's why because your direction 
has a destination tied to it. Your direction has a destination tied to it. Your direction has a destination that's tied to it. And so you go in to see a counselor or a pastor or maybe even a trusted friend and you're telling your problem, you know, this happened and that happened and, you know, she said this and, you know, now we're in a mess and, you know, we're not really sure what to do and I'm looking for a solution. Remember we talked about that a couple weeks ago or I'm looking for a fix and a good counselor, pastor, whoever it might be, trusted friend, they know there is no solution, there is no fix. There's just direction, okay? The solution isn't, hey, you know, if you'll just do these two things, everything will be great. Or if you'll just stop doing these two things, hey, everything's great. Hey, you know, a solution is not, here, just read this book. Solution ultimately is a change of direction. And you cannot instantly do that. That's not an overnight thing. It's a process. Just like the process got you where you don't want to be, there's a process that gets you where you do want to be. And when you change directions, things change. And that's Solomon's point. That what began as a simple you know, sidebar, sort of a diversion, you know, we didn't know, you didn't know, it was actually, it was actually a pathway that led somewhere. In fact, listen to what he says next, unless you think I'm exaggerating this. Check this out. Her house, he says, her house is a highway. It's like, her house isn't a highway. Her house is a house, right? I mean, a house is a house. It's like, no, 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 no. Her house is a highway. You mean, you mean like it's on the highway? I mean, is that, is that what you're saying? I mean, it's a highway. I mean, how in the world can a house be a highway? Because her house and everything associated with it is taking you somewhere. And some of us have houses that are highways that have nothing to do with, you know, anything sexual. I mean, it might be. It might be. That we just think it's a pastime, it's a diversion, you know, it's just what we do. And our Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father saying, no, 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 you need to understand something. It's a highway. Her house appeared to be a pastime, but now it turned out to be a pathway. It was actually taking you somewhere. So I want to go all the way back to where we started. You, you are unique. I'll give you that. You are unique. And as much as you don't want to hear this, your experience is not all that unique. And neither is your path. And neither is your destination. It's predictable. And it's predictable to somebody. It's predictable to somebody who's probably tried to warn you or to point it out to you. But you just can't seem to or you just don't want to hear it. Somebody who can see what you don't see. Or, or if, if we want to be honest, if we're really honest, most of the time, isn't it true? More than likely, it's somebody who can see what you won't see. And the reason they keep bringing it up front and center for you, you know, the reason they keep writing you notes and sending you little cards or sending you a little text or an email, you know, every once in a while, they kind of give you that look like, hey, I really would like to talk to you. You know, they want to they sit down and they want to you know, express their concern. And, and, and you know what it is, but they don't want to bring it up because, oh my gosh, you know, here we, here we go again. The reason is because they don't want, 
and I don't want as well. And your heavenly Father doesn't want. And at the end of the day, you don't want to be a victim of the disconnect between your intention and the direction you're actually headed. Relationally, financially, spiritually, physically, just, just go down the line. Because your direction at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's not your intention. It's your direction that determines your destination. And I, you know, I, I know what some of you think. You probably think, well, you know, you just, you know, you, you don't have a social life, Dave. You know, you stay over at the office all the time. And you're just kind of in your little world. And, you know, you probably spend the night at the office on Saturday nights and get up in the morning and come over here. And, you know, you don't live in my world. You don't face what I face. I mean, if you lived in the world I lived in and, you know, oh, okay, I, I, I get all that. Some of you are like, man, boy, boy, Dave, if I could just be really super honest with you this morning, sounds to me like you're just trying to take away all my fun. No, I'm just trying to take away some of your fun, okay? Just some of your fun. Truth is, I'm not trying to take away anything at all. I really want to give you something. And it's really not me. It's, your, it's, it's our Father in heaven who gave us this incredible literature and then combined it with what Jesus would do, you know, a thousand years later. And Jesus' invitation is always to better life, not less life. And what Jesus offers and what our Heavenly Father offers and what I'm trying to offer on their behalf today is this. I don't want to take away something. I actually want to add something. And so to do that, I'm going to give you some homework to do. This, this next week, okay? I'm going to give you some homework. And you, won't need, you don't need to write this down. It's, it's really simple. Uh, you'll remember this. But I want you to go home and uh, at some point, either by yourself or, you know, as a couple. And, uh, but I'd like you to go home and I would just like for you to find an empty box. Just find an empty box. And, and if you don't have one right now, just, just wait a couple of days because it'll probably have the word prime on it okay right and so you know just just wait a couple of days and some of you I mean you know you're just like oh this is so great you know it shows up and it's like what is it I don't know I don't know I, I, I you forgot what I already ordered you know it's like Christmas every week you know Woo-hoo, prime you know but anyway find an empty box that that's that's homework number one just just find yourself an empty box and then uh, I want you to to um, you know after you've found the empty box just to collect all of the fun and put it in the box I want you to just think about all of the fun that you've had from the past and I just want you to put it in the box okay and then after you've put all the fun in your box then I'd like you to just you know take all the money that you've wasted and put that in the box with all the fun that you've had inside the box there. And then this fourth step, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to just stare at it. Just kind of stare at it. And then after you've stared at it for a little while, because you've got all the fun in there from the past, all the money that you've wasted, it's all in this little box right here. I want you to push back from the table or push back from the counter. And then I want you to think back 
to some generous moments in your life. That, that time in your life, uh, there was somebody in need. You know, maybe it was a family member. Maybe it was a, a neighbor. Uh, and you didn't have a lot of margin in your life. You didn't have a lot of money, you know, in your life. But you just thought, you know what, no matter what it takes, you know, even if we have to go without, you know, we have just got to make sure you know, we, we do this. We've we got to make sure that this happens. I want you to think back, and I want you to remember that moment. I know Kathy and I, we've had some wonderful, generous moments uh, in our past where we have just felt compelled, and, and we just sort of looked at each other, and we just thought, you know what? We just knew that what we were sensing, we just had, you know, to make this happen. We just had, you know, to, to do this. I don't know how we're going to do it because of the situation we're in right now. It would be so great to hang on to this money or whatever it might be. But, man, we just know that God is laying it on our heart. We, we need to do that. And every time that Kathy and I will talk about those stories or look back on those stories, and she will tell you this uh, today, and you know this from a uh, personal experience, it's emotional. I mean, it is so emotional to think that maybe we felt a nudge from the Holy Spirit of God to actually do this, to do something we couldn't necessarily afford to do, but we did it anyway. And of course, we don't miss the money at all, because as time goes by, it's just, I mean, but I want you to think back to that moment or those moments, and if you don't have any of those moments, that's sort of... Sort of the reason for this exercise, if you will. But I want you to think back to those generous moments, and I want you to think back to, to some of those uh, more selfless days, those days when you could have done something for you, and instead you gave up, you know, that Saturday, and you went over and helped that neighbor. I had, I had like six guys show up yesterday at my house and help me do some things, which I just... It just blew me away. It was so, so awesome. I'm so grateful for that. But think back, you know, you, you helped that person or you went down, you're a part of Jane's Brigade, you're a part of Habitat Build, or you just went and did something. You fed some people, you went and collected some clothes for people, or you packed a backpack for, for children, you know, whatever it was. But you gave up some time that you could have spent on you and you actually did it for somebody else. I just want you to think back to those moments as you're looking at that empty box. Okay? Think back to those, those, those moments, those times uh, when you said no to you and so you could say yes to somebody else. And then as you're thinking about those generous moments and you're thinking about all the fun you've had and thinking about all the money you've wasted, as you're thinking about that, I just want you to ask yourself this question right here. Okay? You ready? I want you to ask yourself this question. What do you want more of? What do you want more of? Just, just more memories of fun that really aren't that, you know, that, all that emotional, unless, you know, you kind of conjure up, you know, what happened. Memories of money that you wasted and you have little to show, or maybe little to nothing, and maybe you have a lot of debt to show for it. Do, do you want that or do you want more memories where that just elicit emotions of, oh, my gosh, that was like the greatest day when we did that. Remember when we did that? That was like the greatest day. And it just brings up, you know, all this emotion. Which, which do you want more of? Which do you want more of? See, here's the thing about fun. Fun is always in the rearview mirror. Even the right kind of fun. 
but satisfaction. Come on. Satisfaction is a traveling companion. It sits with you in the passenger seat of your life every single day. And satisfaction, satisfaction, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, that sense of, oh, this is how I intended life to be. This is how I intended our marriage to be. This is how I intended the world to be. This is how I intended it. Satisfaction is always the result of arriving where you intended to be. But satisfaction eludes the people who live life, who, who live their lives as if life is not connected. So, maybe it's time. Maybe it's time. For a little less fun, a little less fun, and maybe a little more joy, a little more peace, a little more satisfaction. And friends, listen, the church or the path you choose makes all the difference in the world. And really the reason for some of you, you know, I want you to you know, get a box is because you're moving in a direction that you know does not have a happy ending. You know that. And yeah, you're happy now, and, but you know in the depths of your heart you cannot keep doing this. You cannot keep living this way. You cannot you know, keep treating her this way. You, you cannot keep talking to him like that. At the end of the day, at the end of the path, it's not where you intend to be. And it's time to start a really sharp U-turn. And I hope maybe this little silly exercise will remind you, you know what? At the end of the day, with the path that I'm currently on, I'm just going to end up with more empty box. That's what's going to happen. But I'm not going to have any satisfaction. Because you only find satisfaction when you arrive where you intended to be. That's why what Jesus, you need to read the Bible. You need to read the Gospels. You need to read what Jesus taught. He taught so many remarkable things. But one thing he did say, and this is many of you who grew up in church, you'll know this scripture. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke. Hey, if you take my yoke, Jesus said, you know what you're going to find? This is, this is so amazing. You're going to find rest. You're going to find real satisfaction for your souls. So Jesus says, come on, I, I just want you to follow me because I'm going to lead you to abundant life, big life, fulfilling life. But in order for that to happen, it's going to require of you and it's going to require of me to begin living in a different direction because direction, not your intention, always ultimately determines our destination. So let me ask you, and then, then we're done. Are you living in the wrong direction? Are you living in the wrong direction in some capacity? Has somebody been trying to warn you? And, you know, you just think they're trying to take your fun away 
And your heavenly Father, through his Holy Spirit, has spoken to you today to say, no, I'm not trying to take your fun away. I'm trying to give you more of what life is all about, a sense of satisfaction. Does your direction, and here's the real question, come on, does your direction line up with your intention? Does the direction, the path you're on, does it line up with your intention? I mean, I know that you know what you intend life to be like. You, you, you know in your heart what you hope it, you know, it, you know, it, it works out to be and ends up to be. But is your life lined up? Is your direction lined up with your intention? And if not, would you be willing to consider changing and living in the right direction? See, here's what I don't want you to do. I, I don't want you to do this. I don't want you to leave here today and go, oh, my gosh. When I think about the path I'm on, when I think about the direction I'm going relationally, emotionally, financially, spiritually, sexually, you know, whatever, whatever it is, you know, whatever, whatever that dimension is. What I don't want you to do is leave here and go, oh, my gosh, that was so convicting. How did he know? I really need to do something about that. See, just thinking about it, just talking about it, it doesn't do any good at all. Doing, 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 doing is what makes the difference. And the invitation isn't simply to believe something. The invitation isn't simply to agree with me. That's not what this is. The invitation is to change the direction you're living in. And that's what your Heavenly Father in mind has invited us to do. So would you begin making that, that sharp or that hard U-turn. And yes, people are not going to understand. Family's not going to understand. People at work, they're going to like, man, what are you doing? They might not understand. Your broken up boyfriend, your broken up girlfriend, they're certainly not going to understand. You know, what becomes of your ex-fiance? What becomes, I mean, he's not going to, she's not going to necessarily understand. But if you know you've got to go, and if you know if your heavenly father is nudging you and urging you, and speaking to you, and maybe speaking through other people, urging you to do. Don't say no to your heavenly Father in heaven, because at the end of the day, whether you believe it or not, whether you recognize it or not, whether you leverage it or not, remember, we're talking about a principle. You don't apply a principle principles apply themselves to you. They are operating in the background of our lives, whether we leverage them for our benefit or ignore them for our demise, whether we recognize it or not, regardless of whether we believe it or not. Your direction, not your intention, determine your destination. Your direction, not your intention, is determining this very moment, your ultimate destination. So my challenge is, would you begin living this week in a different direction? That's my prayer. That's my challenge for all of us. Okay, I'm done. Let's stand together, shall we? Alberto, why don't you come on up, man? We have would you bow your heads with me this morning? Father God, we're just so thankful for you, thankful for your word. What a challenge today for all of us, Lord, for me, for all of us here in this room today. 
it's a, it's a, it's a sobering truth and yet a liberating one that we can actually change direction. And when we do, things change. Father, for, for some people standing here today, as they think about their financial life, the debt that's accumulating and unwise decisions they're making financially, it seems to be getting deeper and deeper. Father, I just pray that they would lean into you that, God, you have a path that just changed directions financially, relationally, physically, spiritually. Father God, whatever path we're on, if it's taking us away from a satisfying life that you've offered us, this abundant life, satisfaction, a life of satisfaction that sits with us every single day, beside us. It's a passenger. It's with us all the time. Father, help us to choose the life that you've invited us into as your followers, as Jesus' followers, as Jesus' followers, the life that you've invited us into. May we choose to choose and to to receive your offer, to go the direction that you want us to go. Father, for anyone that may be here today and not a Christian, not a religious person, not a Bible person, not a church person, but this is all new to them. Father, I pray that that they, God, would at least consider what your word has to say today. That as they think about their lives and where they are right now and what you have invited them into, I pray, Father, that they would They would lean in your direction. They would receive you as their Lord and Savior. That you died on the cross for our sins. That we could find forgiveness. And that we could have a life that is truly fulfilling and satisfying. Pray that would happen. And Father, I pray for all of us this day. And Father, we would be more like you. Father, we just need your insight. We need your understanding to navigate. What we need to do is we continue to trust you as our Lord and Savior. We thank you for that. And everybody said amen Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you. Oh, oh, 